Good morning and welcome to a new week, a new episode of Roadmap to Heaven here on Covenant Network. Our last week for the calendar year of Roadmap to Heaven. Let's begin in prayer in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day for all the intentions of your Sacred Heart in union with the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world in reparation for my sins, for the intentions of all my relatives and friends, and in particular for the intentions of the Holy Father. Amen. We dedicate all of our thoughts, words, and actions to the greater glory of God in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, I am Adam Wright, and I am so happy to be back with you on this Monday morning. I hope you had a good weekend. We had a... uh, well, we had a long weekend at the right house, I have to say. You know, it was just everybody was cranky. Everybody was just recovering from the busyness of the season. Uh, we did have a, a little holiday gathering for our school on Saturday night. It was outdoors, which was a little fun in the weather. But I was really, my heart was warmed by the number of people that came up in the, the light rain just to spend some time together in fellowship, in preparing for Christmas. So I hope, you know, we had a good weekend, but I hope I hope you had a good weekend too. Um, today on the show, we're going to continue to wrap up Advent. We're in the final push, friends. Christmas is a week from today. It's one week from today. We start our Christmas celebrations, Christmas Day. Really, I guess you could say a week from 4 o'clock last night. And uh, to get ready, we've got a couple Advent homilies for you this morning. We also have a wonderful, we're going to go on a little virtual pilgrimage this week with Monsignor John Myler. And uh, we're going to revisit something about the, you know, Saturday night, this outdoor event was our school-sponsored uh, Night at the Lights at our parish. If, if you live anywhere near South City in St. Louis, Missouri, Our Lady of Sorrows has beautiful Christmas lights up. They, they start putting them up right after Thanksgiving. They keep them up. Uh, I think until the new year, maybe a little bit later, and you just walk through. I mean, you, you park the car, you walk through. Uh, if church is open, you can stop in church to pray. It's not always open at nighttime, um, but it, it's a beautiful thing. And I love lights. And, and a lot of people I say, what's your favorite thing about this time of year? They say, light, the Christmas lights. I love the Christmas lights. Well, we're going to revisit an interview we did about the uh, Advent season and the meaning of light. Um So there is that. So that's all ahead on the show today. Let's go to Mike Roberts for our weather and our saint of the day. Today is the feast day of St. Gatianus, Bishop of Tours. Born in the third century, Gatianus was a principal in laying the foundation of the church in France and the first Bishop of Tours. Gauls in that region were tied to superstition and the worship of idols. He explained to them that the plurality of gods was impossible and taught them about the one true God, inspiring in them a new faith by teaching them using the gospel. He spoke of the second coming of Jesus as judge. Gatianus was often interrupted in his instruction by harassers and when denounced to the magistrates, tortured and threatened with death. But no amount of suffering stopped him, and his persistence drew many followers to Christ. With his disciples, Gatianus traveled extensively, curing illnesses and driving away demons with the sign of the cross. Pagan altars were abandoned, and he was allowed to establish small oratories where worshipers could assemble and learn to sing their praises to the true God, guided by priests in an organized church. Gatianus also established a cemetery outside of Tours for the burial of Christians. 
And at the end of his life, and while very sick, Jesus himself came to awaken Gatianus and bring him Holy Communion. He died seven days later in 337. St. Gatianus, please pray for us. I'm meteorologist Mike Roberts for Covenant Network. Have a blessed day. Saint of the Day can arrive each morning by subscribing on your favorite podcast player. Search Covenant Network to see all our podcasts. A prayer for priests. Oh my God, help those priests who are faithful to remain faithful. To those who are falling, stretch forth your divine hand that they may grasp it as their support. In the great ocean of your mercy, lift those poor unfortunate ones who have fallen that being engulfed therein, they may receive the grace to return to your great loving heart. Amen. Precious blood of Jesus, protect them. We're happy to have with us all week this week Monsignor John Myler, a priest of the Diocese of Belleville in Illinois, right across the river from my home in a place very near and dear to my heart. Many, many wonderful experiences of faith over in Belleville, especially at Our Lady of the Snows over the years. But Monsignor, it's great to have you with us on Roadmap to Heaven again to talk about the Blessed Mother. Well, it's my pleasure to be here, Adam, on this Roadmap time, because I thought maybe we could take a little pilgrimage these Advent days, a little pilgrimage with Mary to four places in the Holy Land. I think that sounds wonderful. And I remember the last time you were with us, we we spent a week talking about the Blessed Mother, and each day we had a different insight, and I greatly enjoyed that week. So I look forward to this one, and any pilgrimage we go on has to have a starting point, a beginning. So where will we begin our pilgrimage this week? Let's begin this Advent pilgrimage with Mary in Nazareth. Begin at the beginning. Let's walk into that town of Nazareth and see the beautiful Basilica of the Annunciation, this uh, majestic building of white limestone. It is built over the traditional site where the angel Gabriel told Mary she would give birth to the Savior. St. Luke tells us uh, God sent the angel named Gabriel to Nazareth, the town of Galilee, to a virgin betrothed to a man named Joseph of the house of David, and then the virgin's name was Mary. In this basilica we're entering, there's a lower church, a crypt church, which preserves the grotto of the remnant of Mary's home. And in that grotto, we can see two ancient pillars, two pillars that mark the places where, by tradition, Mary stood and the angels stood. On this spot, which the people of God built and revered here since well before the year 400. The upper church has a large uh, octagonal opening in the floor so that when you stand in the upper church, you look through this, they call it the oculus, the eye. You look through the eye down to see the grotto below. And so it takes us from uh, 2,000 years ago uh, to our very day today. The basilica has a great cupola, a great dome rising above the roof. It sort of looks like an inverted lily, uh, which is Mary's flower. So that through this oculus to the ancient site below, 
in this place with the light shining down. This is the place of the mystery of the Annunciation. We can stand in this meeting place between the divine and the human. And then as we would turn our gaze and look around at the walls of this Basilica of the Annunciation, we would see artwork from different nations, different depictions of the Annunciation from the nations of Europe and the nations of Asia, Africa, our own North American and Latin American images, so that it is a multinational shrine for the whole world built on this place of the angel Gabriel and Mary. Because as the fathers of the church said, Christ must be conceived again in each of us. And that never rings truer than when we stand in the presence of the Annunciation. So on our little trip to the Basilica of the Annunciation, we can pray as we pray at the Angelus. Pour forth, we beseech thee, O Lord, thy grace into our hearts that we to whom the incarnation of Christ was made known by the message of an angel may by his passion and cross bring us to the glory of his resurrection through the same Christ our Lord. As we end our little time here in Nazareth, we would pray, O Lady of Advent, pray pray for for us. us. Well, this is a wonderful starting point for our pilgrimage, Monsignor, and I look forward to journeying this week with you as a devotion of the season of Advent. Prayer for God's blessing of one's daily work. O Lord my God, Creator and ruler of the universe, it is your will that human beings accept the duty of work. May the work I do bring growth in this life to me and to those I love and help to extend the kingdom of Christ. Give all persons work that draws them to you and to each other in cheerful service. I unite all my work with the sacrifice of Jesus in the Holy Mass, that it may be pleasing to you and give you glory. I beg your blessing upon all my efforts. With St. Joseph as my example and guide, help me to do the work you have asked and come to the reward you have prepared. Amen. We are going to continue today by going back in time to an Advent two years ago where we were able to speak with Monsignor Timothy Cronin about this theme of light in the season of Advent. Let's give a listen. As we enter into the season of Advent, one of the constant themes we see both in our liturgy and in our world is that of light. We think of the Advent wreath. We see the candlelight in the windows. You know, I think of one of my favorite Christmas songs, Frosted Window Panes, uh, candles gleaming inside. And we see candles sometimes even on Christmas trees. We see the Christmas lights up all around us. There's a great interplay of light and darkness at this time of year. We're happy to be joined today by Monsignor Timothy Cronin to talk about what light means for us. Monsignor, so good to have you here today. To you too. Thank you, Adam. Thanks for having me here. I'd like to begin by stepping outside of the season of Advent, if I may, and and fast forwarding into next calendar year that after Lent, we will celebrate the Triduum, and one of my favorite times of the year 
is the Easter vigil in the beginning with that service of light, that it's completely dark in the church, and the deacon enters in carrying the Paschal candle, this one flame. And from the moment that happens, no matter how dark the church is, it gets a little bit brighter. And no matter where you are, the darkness doesn't conquer that light. That, that light is visible. Even if it's just a small light, it's visible. And this makes me think of the beginning of the Gospel of John. It's, it's just a, a wonderful passage we read every time of year. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came to be through him, and without him nothing came to be. What came to be through him was life, and this life was the light of the human race, the light that shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There's a lot to unpack here this Advent, isn't there, Monsignor? Very much so. You know, the um, beginning of the book of Genesis has the pronouncement of God, the very first words that he utters, a fiat lux, let there be light. You know, that we have uh, lived in, in darkness, and the Lord wants us to know that he has come into our midst as light. The last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation, talks about the Lamb sitting on the throne, and as we pray in an evening prayer on Sunday's evening, there will be no need for lamps or lights, because what? The Lord God shall be the light. So all throughout Scripture and all throughout the church's liturgy, as you said, the deacon solemnly announces, light of Christ, as he holds up the Easter candle, and then we come into the church to take our light from the light of Christ. And that same theme is given to us, you know, all throughout the year. It's wonderful. I mean, I think of, we start with no candles lit on the Advent wreath, and then one and two and three, and then four, and in some places a custom of having a fifth candle, a white candle, the Christ candle in the center, and we celebrate the light of the world. In fact, that's one of the titles we hear for our Lord in the season of Advent as well, is it not? True. I mean, Jesus speaks, and he... uh, comes to the blind man and gives him his sight and then pronounces for all of us to know that, you know, I am the light of the world. Of course, in the Sermon on the Mount, he expands upon that to let us know that we who share in his light, then you are the light of the world, that we who join in Christ uh, are members by our holy baptism. And of course, that image there too, when one is baptized, receiving the candle on the day of one's baptism to enter into a, the mystery of what it means to be part of the light of Christ. As we look at the past calendar year, and we're in that, that awkward state, we're in a new church year, but we're still in the same calendar year. As we look at the last calendar year, you know, many people would say there's a lot of darkness. There's a lot of things to just be dejected or sad or somber. And I've been thinking about this, that that's very true statement, but it seems that every year we could look around and we could easily find darkness in our lives. But this is a reminder that no matter how dark that gets, it doesn't have the final word. Amen. You know, the, the name that we use for Satan himself, and one of the titles, of course, the father of lies and the prince of darkness. And again, we know that how prevalent um, evil is in our world and to give into discouragement, as you, as you mentioned, that we're called to rise above that. And even in the midst of all of the confusion all of the questions that we have, very often the answers that we're not able to give. But when we turn our hearts, our lives to Jesus, indeed, he does dispel the darkness. And all it takes is one light mm-hmm. to be able to, again, have the darkness uh, be disbanded. You know, it's, it's really interesting you mentioned that, the name uh, Lucifer, which if I'm, I'm not a Latin scholar, but 
Lucifer is the light bearer. Correct. The, the term that has been given to us to know that we know he was a fallen angel. God created him, even as tradition tells us, as one of the highest angels, if not part of the seraphim. There he was, and yet, as Jesus said, I saw Satan fall from the sky like lightning. You know, again, the one who had been given so much, uh, you know, threw it all away. Why? Because he preferred darkness rather than light, rather than to be in the presence of the light. I think it's a good reminder for us that, you know, we are called to be the light bearers. I think of one of my, my favorite feast days, St. Lucy's feast day, and uh, the tradition of the, the girls with the wreath, like a crown on their head, with candles in it, and they, they bring the light. Um, but when we ignore our baptismal calling to, to share the gospel, to spread the gospel, it, in much the same way, we're not bringing the light. We are then bringing the darkness. But when we share that, and, and if I can pivot to the Easter vigil again, I know we're confusing some seasons here, but one of the great lines of the exalted, a light divided but undimmed, that when we share that light of Christ, it doesn't diminish the light. If we think of, of Christ as the light of the world, sharing that and letting that radiate through you and through me is not going to diminish the original light that we receive from Christ. And the light that the Lord gives to us, obviously, he wants us to unite not just with himself, but also with one another. And we know that when we do that, how we can truly transform our world that is in need of so much transformation as we know. One of the images, too, that I think, um, you know, as we're talking about, you know, right, how Christmas and Easter, and, and in some ways we know that um, they're, they're celebrated differently, but they really are united. Obviously, you know, why did Christ come? Christ came, as we sing, sing in the Christmas song, to save us all from Satan's power as we had gone astray, huh? Oh, tidings of comfort and joy. And yet that, that gift of salvation comes to us uh, from Jesus dying on the cross. You know, when we look at the sky and we see the beginning of, of the dawn, we can see even how the colors almost imitate some of the colors we use liturgically. We go from those deep violets to then a brighter rose uh, to the orange and red, and then to obviously the, the perfect white, you know, the light of Christ. But I think every morning, I think those of us especially who are familiar with the Canticle of Zechariah, you know, the last line of, of that beautiful prayer, in the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high shall break upon us to shine on those who dwell in darkness and the shadow of death and to guide our feet into the way of peace, the peace that only Christ can give. When you say that, I immediately think of... Uh... My longtime friend Nick, who one of his favorite titles for, for our Lord was that of the day spring. And I think of, you know, a spring. I, I've been privileged to go to some springs, some remarkable springs in my life, and see the water just coming seemingly from nowhere, but it never ceases to, to well up from the ground and much in the same way that the love of our Lord never ceases. And, I, and, and as you say, the, the dawn from on high shall break upon us. We're not really as downhearted and dejected as we get. We are not in danger of running out of light. Christ isn't going anywhere in our lives. We are not. The days are getting shorter, but we know that when the winter season comes upon us, then each day it begins to grow a little bit longer, obviously anticipation of spring in which the, the Lord Jesus conquers sin and death, um, the, the perfect light in our midst. All right, Monsignor, before we conclude, I want to fast forward just a little bit in the Gospel of John because we've talked about that first chapter, but we also know in that famous passage, um, John 3.16, uh, shortly after that, we read, 
in verse 19, and this is the verdict, that the light came into the world, but people preferred darkness to light because their works were evil. And so we are not forced, because we have free will given to us by God, we're not forced to accept the light. We have a choice to make. And, you know, like we said, this goes back a long time to say that people have preferred the darkness to the light. So what are some of the practical things we can do in the season of preparation to help embrace the light, share the light, and, and share the good news? Well, first and foremost, the ways that we can grow in holiness begins with prayer. I was uh, speaking recently to uh, some of the students at St. Clement of Rome and just inviting them to consider, here we were in the classroom in the middle of the day, saying, let's just take a moment right now. Is Jesus with us? You know, they all they understood, yes, he is. Our Lord is here. When we take time throughout our day to recognize that Christ uh, wants us to turn to him, to come to him, to praise him, to adore him, to thank him, to acknowledge him. So we want to really always grow in, in our prayer life. And I think all of us know we can deepen that more. Very often we have good intentions, and yet sometimes we fail to take time for, for prayer. But prayer is not necessarily based on the quantity of our prayer, but just that we are truly giving the Lord time. And then when we also recognize then that we're part of uh, the body of Christ, we're looking to see our prayer life hopefully leads us to more charity toward others. You know, obviously in, in the season of Advent, we're having many opportunities. Um, many parishes have giving trees or, you know, giving a gift. Obviously, it's not our birthday. We don't give gifts to ourselves, but we want to share the joy of Christ's presence among us and sharing um, with others. And so just to be aware of, of trying to um, be attuned to the needs of others. We, we know that, indeed, in this time especially, many um, do go without, and um, we can always be hopefully uh, seeing how we can share with others. If I may, I'd like to add on to that, too, that just the, the ministry of presence is a very important thing. Take that time maybe to call your loved ones, to call your friends, and let them know that you're thinking about them. Sure. Sometimes we just kind of forget about how a simple call or phone call, those Christmas cards, a little note, to someone uh, really does make the difference, right? Well, Monsignor, thank you very much for taking the time to be with us to help us with our Advent preparations. I wonder if we could end with a, a prayer and a blessing today. Absolutely. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord God, we give you praise and thanks for the many blessings you bestow upon us, and especially that we proclaim you this day, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, your Son, Jesus Christ. Give to us an open heart to spell from us the darkness of sin as we prepare for the coming of your Son, Jesus Christ. May the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit come down upon you and remain with you forever. Amen. Amen. We're going to take a break here on Roadmap to Heaven. Stay tuned. Vocation Prayer for Youth O Holy Spirit, Spirit of wisdom and divine love, impart your knowledge, understanding, and counsel to youth that they may know the vocation wherein they can best serve God. Give them courage and strength to follow God's holy will. Guide their uncertain steps. Strengthen their resolutions. Shield their chastity. Fashion their minds. Conquer their hearts. And lead them to the vineyards where they will labor in God's holy service. Amen. As the calendar falls this year, this is the week that many of our school children will be heading home for that beloved Christmas break in these final days leading up to our celebration. But it's still Advent. We still have some time to prepare. 
But, Patty, I think I'm not the only one who's saying, what am I going to do with all of these kids when they come home for their Christmas break? We want to have fun, but we don't want to waste the time either. I thought it would be a good idea to take a look at some meaningful things that we can do with children that will, of course, help prepare for Christmas, but will also make lasting impressions, lasting memories, and bring faith into our preparations for Christmas. So, First one today. These are going to be quick and easy this week, really. There's going to be nothing over the top or very difficult to do. But the first one I want to say is one that I was inspired by my own dad. For 60 years, the manger scene underneath the Christmas tree at my parents' house. My dad says it every year. I made that manger. He took the wood and he built it himself. He made the manger. So it has so much more meaning. And so I want to just say, make a manger. Make your main something part of your manger scene. Now, I have multiple manger scenes in my home. I have multiple ones. I love almost collecting them because they're so beautiful. And I love having some of them in different rooms. I have one on my dining room table. I have one under the tree. But I will tell you the one that means the most and the one that we all talk about every year. It's the one that my youngest son, Kevin, made. It was either in kindergarten or preschool. I don't remember where. And it was out of toilet paper rolls. It's the paper manger. Joseph and Mary are toilet paper rolls painted. One is blue, one is brown. And then he drew the faces on them. Tissue paper is the veil of Mary. And then Jesus is literally a peanut, a peanut. And then they made the manger for Jesus. You take the toilet paper roll, cut it in half, and glue one half uh curving up, the other half curving down to hold it, and then snips of paper became the grass and the straw. He made this, I'm not kidding you, when he was four or five years old, I kept it. It's my favorite manger scene. My point is, you anybody can do this with toilet paper rolls or whatever you have in your house. Think of a way that you can make a homemade manger with your child or your grandchild. The memories that you will have doing that are priceless, and it's the one that I get out every year, and the one I've saved are the one we talk about the most. Just about every mother I know has those things from when their children were little, and every Christmas they come out, and it's a beautiful tradition, especially incorporating the nativity scene in the manger. Patty, thank you for today's Daily Dose of Encouragement. Well, we are not only in the final days of Advent right now, we are in the final two weeks of the year, which means that Seek 24 is right around the corner. You have heard us talking about it throughout the entire fall, pretty much going back to August, and it goes without saying, we're very excited. And to those of you who are registered for Seek, we can't wait to see you on Mission Way, our booth will be open Tuesday through Friday, and uh, we'll love for you to stop by. We're going to be doing Roadmap to Heaven from down at Seek. It's going to be a great time. But did you know, for those of you that live in the Archdiocese of St. Louis, there is a special event just for you. If Even if you're not registered to attend the whole week or a day, you're still invited to attend Wednesday night for Eucharistic Adoration, and it's free. It's, it, it's free. 
All you have to do is go to archstl.org slash seek and register. And while you're there, there's space remaining. The Archdiocese of St. Louis is going to host a reception on Wednesday evening, beginning at 5.45 p.m. There's going to be a very brief program as part of that, heavy hors d'oeuvres and uh, cocktails. And we're going to be there. Covenant Network is going to be there. That's going to be fantastic. Um, So join us and join the Archdiocese and then come and pray. Then you come over and hear the keynote session with uh, two keynote talks followed by Eucharistic Adoration with 25,000 people, right? And our Lord. You've heard it said where two or three are gathered, there I am in the midst of them. Well, what about 2,500? No, not even 2,500. 25,000 are gathered. They're in the midst of them. I'm pretty confident the Lord will act. Let's just pray that we have the grace to see what he's doing in our hearts and to get out of his way and to let him act. That is the challenge that we will have. It's incredibly powerful. Everyone I know who went last year, even just for the Wednesday night adoration, said, I would recommend this to a friend. I would tell a friend, you need to sign up for this. You need to go. So again, archstl.org slash seek. Um, you know, here's the thing. Last year, I, I, I don't know. You know, I'm not in on the planning. I don't know exactly what they have planned for everything. But last year, Walking out of the dome every night, I, I felt so incredibly safe. I know they prioritize security, and that's the concern people bring up when you talk about going downtown. But they, they take that into account. Uh, it's a great thing to carpool to, which is a, a great way to invite others to go to say, hey, I want to go to this thing. Oh, that sounds really cool. I hope you have fun. Well, you should come with me. Let's, let's go down together. Let's fill the van. Let's fill the car. Let's fill whatever vehicle we have. And uh, let's all go. Grab some fellow parishioners. Grab those folks you pray with after Mass in church. Grab, you know, whoever you want to invite to go spend some time with our Lord and 25,000 of your newest best friends on Wednesday, January 3rd, archstl.org slash seek. You can register for the reception and for the Eucharistic Adoration. It's all free. Go check it out there. Uh, This week on the show, we will continue getting ready for Christmas one week from today. And after the show, I might have to run out and do some last-minute Christmas shopping for my wife and uh, for the kids. But the most important thing we'll do this week is prayer. It's to pray. The most important thing we'll do this week is pray. And I want to encourage you, perhaps this week, whether it's, I I don't know if your parish has a Christmas novena with the O antiphons like some do. I don't know if there is an evening mass in the season of Advent. I don't know what's going on at your parish. But take some time to stop in and visit with our Lord and prepare room in your heart and pray. And I'm going to do the same. And we're all going to be called to that. So let's pray for one another and let's pray for our fellow parishioners. Let's pray for our family that we all grow closer To our Lord, let's pray, especially for those who have no one to pray for them and those whose hearts have turned away from Jesus, that they might meet him, that they might encounter him, that they might come to him this Christmas season. Let's pray in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Mary, Mother of the Church, pray for us. St. Joseph, Terror of Demons, pray for us in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I'd like to give a shout out to my friends, the daughters of St. Paul, who had their Christmas concerts, Advent concerts here in St. Louis last Thursday and Friday. I heard the Thursday night concert in Mascuda was wonderful. I have no doubt that the Friday one 
was as well. And they had so much joy when I was able to visit with them on Friday. Uh, Thank you for praying for them and thank you for praying for us, sisters. For Covenant Network, I'm Adam Wright. Have a blessed Monday and pray your rosary today.